With Fidelity Wealth Management, a dedicated advisor can work with you on a comprehensive plan to help you reach your wealth's full potential. Plus, you'll have access to specialists in estate planning strategies. So you're not just growing and protecting your wealth, you're sharing it. More at fidelity.com slash wealth. Investment minimums apply. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. Welcome to the Jill on Money Show. It's Thursday, February 16th, and we are here answering your financial questions. The way we do that is we encourage you to just go to our website, jillonmoney.com. There are so many exciting things going on at the Jill on Money website, and we just, I cannot thank Karen, Web Queen Karen, enough for always nudging me. You see how she's sending me emails all the time, Mark? Like, look at this, read this, do this, check this out. And uh, I would never do it without her. I cannot tell you how glad I am that Karen has uh, entered our lives in this way. <laughs> what would we have done? Oh my God, I forgot I forgot to tell you the mad Russian reached out to me. Oh really? Wow. Yeah, I forgot to tell you that. He, um, after the book launched, he saw the book launch and he reached out to me. And he's working in some very strange place that I never heard of, but I love him to death. And he was our first, he he did get us into the web. He got us on the web and it was helpful. But like we have gone multiple generations beyond the mad Russian. I feel like without him, we never would have gotten started, right? Yeah, that's true. And without him, there would be no YouTube channel. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. He's really, he was good. Anyway, thanks to the Mad Russian. Hat tip, Mad Russian, but Web Queen lives on. So thank you, Karen. Anyway, when you're on a website, there's so much going on there. So first of all, you know how I say there's always new stuff? I mean, there's really new stuff. There's the free weekly newsletter, which is amazing. Mark does such a great job with that. I love it. Then there is the book. You can buy The Great Money Reset. And now, brand new, ladies and gentlemen, you can subscribe to our brand new service. It's called Jill on Money Live. This uh, is a subscription service. So, you know, I'm trying to get the recurring revenue, just like everyone talks about. It's not that much money, so don't go crazy. You're going to have access to quarterly live webinars and more special content that we are going to be rolling out throughout the year. So check it out. Jill on Money Live is our new subscription service. Yay. Okay, Mark, let's do some emails. We got, oh my God, these are long. Hold on a second. Let me see. I'm sitting up straight for this. This is from Dylan who writes, good evening, Jill and Mark. My wife and I are in the process of purchasing land from a family member and building a home. We are pre-approved through a few banks and we are wondering what is the best option. We're purchasing the land for $30,000, but it should appraise for about $60,000. We are hoping to use that equity to put less down on the loan. Okay, that sounds good. We are planning on spending around $300,000 all in for the construction and land combined. One bank does a one-time closing and we're pre-approved at a 6.75% interest rate. But whenever we close on the loan, we have to pay our full mortgage payment of principal and interest, even though we wouldn't have a house yet. Oh, interesting. So it's basically like you're, you've got the whole loan for the house that's yet to be built but they give you all the money up front, don't they, to build the house. So that seems like that would be okay. The other bank does a one-time closing, pre-approved at 6%, but they do interest-only financing for the first 18 months, regardless of how long it takes to build the house. Hmm. 
After 18 months, principal and interest payments begin. I like the idea of smaller payments while we're building, but 18 months of interest seems like a long time to not be paying down any principal. Oh, and for more information, oh my God, Mark, listen to this. They're 28 years old. They've got 80 grand in cash, $50,000 in a non-qualified brokerage account, $63,000 in a Roth IRA, $109,000 in retirement, and they make about $6,000 a month net. They spend $4,000. So they could swing having an extra mortgage instead of the interest-only payments, but it seems crazy to pay a full payment without a house. Also, we shouldn't have to put much actual cash down due to buying the land at a discount from the family, so we already have equity. Huh. I was going to ask if we should pay the mortgage down faster once we finish building, since the rates on the proposed loans are 6 and 6.5%. Mark, wow. I don't like this interest only, but on the other hand, I, I agree. I don't like I don't like paying for this full freight while we're building this house. There's a part of me that's like, where are you living now? Okay, so let me ask you some other questions. So this is something that I would want to know. Like, you're building this right now, Dylan. Where are you living right now? When is this all starting? Is it worth it? Here's another wacky question. Is it worth it to buy the land from the family member and hold off on building the home? What if you just bought the land in cash and you hold off on bu- on building until you get rates down a little bit. What do you think about that as an idea? I mean, I don't know. Maybe this is crazy because they're already like, oh, my God, we're doing it. In the 18 months that they have this loan, I just get the sense that they might have to do better. That's the problem. I sort of feel like I like the lower payments while they're building and then see what happens. And you can always accelerate it or refinance. I don't know. I want to hold on to my cash a little bit. So I know he can swing the full payment. I don't care about not paying principal and interest. You pay all interest anyway in the beginning of a loan anyway, right? So I I think I would do, I like the smaller payments while you're building. That's what I'm thinking. Um, Oh, Mark, look who this is. This is great. This is uh, Rachel and Monica. Remember, this is their pseudonyms. She was hoping to sell, um, her mom was hoping to sell dad's old business and it wasn't really happening. She had a valuation done. It was out there for a while. No progress. She's sick and tired of it. She's ready to walk away. And then guess what? She got an offer. $50,000 a year for seven years. Can you imagine, Mark? She thought it was zero and now she's 50000 for seven years. Okay. We're thinking since she's retiring with the market way down, she uses this money to live on and doesn't touch her retirement accounts for the next several years. Is this her best bet? So mom is 65. Dad passed away 10 years ago. She's in a paid for house. She needs five grand a month to live on. She's been taking social security of her own, $1,000 a month. In 2025, she will start with the survivor benefit of dad's $3,000 a month. She's got $280,000 in a Vanguard traditional IRA, inherited Vanguard account, $60,000, an annuity that is $530,000. She only has two grand in savings. She's hoping to close the sale of my dad's old business for about 50 grand a year. So, so here's a deal. Yeah. You stop everything and just use this money to live on. Absolutely. Do you, don't you agree with that? I mean, it's she needs five grand a month. She's going to have almost that. She'll have four grand plus a thousand in social security. She's done. I would live on this. You should make sure you see an accountant about this, by the way. It, how is that $50,000 going to be taxed? It's not going to be income. It should be a capital gain on the business, right? In which case, I'm hoping, this is so interesting. I don't know what the cost basis of the business is, but Man, it would be great if she could like pay a 15% capital gains tax on that. And that's that. 
mom is 65. Why isn't she eligible for Social Security survivor benefits now? Why does she have to wait until 2025? I don't know. It says what that is true. You're right. It's not like her current amount is more than the survivor amount will be. Yeah, I don't know. Let's check on that. Double check on that. Okay. Uh, Hey, Mark, this is from Kate. Uh, She was on the webinar and she said, I enjoyed joining tonight and seeing you both live and I love the new book. Okay. So listen to this. Kate says, I'll be separating from state government employment with a pension. And she writes, yes, in five years. Pension and Social Security at her full retirement age will cover her expenses. That's amazing. As I think about my next path, so she makes a reference to someone in the book, a character. She says, as I think about my next path, I cannot imagine doing nothing, just enough work to hopefully keep me sane and be eligible to keep adding to my Roth IRA. Therefore, what are questions I need to ask myself and consider specifically related to accumulation locations? In other words, as she's accumulating and decumulating, I think she's basically saying pre-tax, post-tax, and what happens in the next few years. Mark for the Roth all the way guy, some additional side questions below the stats. Here are the stats. 57, divorced, single, two kids. Rent my home, will continue to rent at the same amount for my life, no debt, will power of attorney all set, $800,000 in term, income $150,000 Pension, access to government health care for life. How about that? She's got a traditional 457. She makes a contribution of $36,400 a year because she's got a 457 and a 401k. That's a lot. And she's also putting money in her Roth IRA, 7,500. Savings, 30 grand. She's adding a few grand a year. Brokerage, 20 grand. Oh, she's got youngish kids for someone who's 57. Um, she's got 17 and 15 year olds, both likely private college bound, some scholarships. Hmm. She's responsible for one third of the expenses, 529. She's got 30 grand, no family to worry about small inheritance later in life. $6,500 a month is her current expense level. So here's the additional question mark. In her 457 401k, she has traditional accounts. He do, she does have Roth options. However, her traditional contributions reduce her expected family contribution for financial aid. Mm-mm-mm. Not clear how much of that deduction helps. It will make a difference. In short, what percentage of contributions should be ideal for pre-tax, post-tax, and tax-free? Is there a time before separation from state that I should begin diverting my contributions to retirement to after-tax savings and brokerage. I handle everything myself with index funds. Thanks, and keep up the awesome content. So this is interesting. She's 57, and she'll be, she said, she's going to be separating in five years. So in five years, she'll have the pension, right? And that will help pay for stuff. She'll need, you know, I don't know if that pension will cover the expenses at the time. I, right now, I would pull back. I think she's putting a ton of money into this retirement account. And I think she doesn't need to do that much. I'm not sure what the right amount is on her 150 grand, but I'm sort of thinking that 36.4 seems like a lot of moolah, Mark. I'm thinking that she could do back, like pull back to like more like 25. Yeah, I don't even know if it needs to be that much. And so the way you're reading it, you think she has her pension in five years. Yeah, I think so, because she says, 
I'll be separating from this from state government employment with pension in five years. And I think she gets the pension in five years, right? So she'll be 62. But then when she gets five more years, she'll get Social Security. I think she's going to have to spend down some assets until she gets to Social Security. That's my guess. So why don't we, why don't you try this? Um, and listen, who knows how much about this whole, like the family contribution for kids and college and all that. But I think it's better for you to have more money in a brokerage account. And, you know, you could also, you certainly could put the money in some 529. I'd rather you have it in the brokerage account. And frankly, if you're looking at financial aid, it's better to be in a brokerage account than 529, weirdly, because they don't assume all the money in a five, in a uh, brokerage account is available for college, right? They look at the 529, they say, okay, that's all for college. So you're going to spend that down. But a brokerage account, they say, well, maybe 10% you'd pay for, you know, a year that you'd take out of that to pay for college. I would pull back. I would might even say like, you know, instead of what, what if we went in half, what is from 36, you went to 18 grand a year. She already has 140 grand in there and she really only has to, we're worried about 10 years. That's it. I think she can pull back, build up your cash and then we'll go from there. All right. I hope that helps. <sighs> Thank you guys so much. It's so great. You guys are so awesome. We are uh, very lucky to have you. This community is nurturing and wonderful. And uh, thank you for people who reached out to us about the the episode that we aired about this poor our poor friend and listener whose daughter had a terrible diagnosis. And you were all very nice. And I really appreciate that. And we want to kind of lift everybody up together. So if you've got something going on and you need some help, some financial assistance, some emotional assistance, whatever it is, we are here for you. This is your community too. It's Jill on Money. That is our website, jillonmoney.com. Click the contact us button. Please let us know if you'd be willing to come on the air. While you're on the website, lots of stuff to do. But most importantly, you have to buy the book. I just got a message from my publisher. So, you know, keep pumping the book. So, okay, George, this is for you. Please buy the book, The Great Money Reset. And uh, you can check out our new service. It's called Jill on Money Live, where you will have access to quarterly live webinars and more special content to come. (sighs) Okay. Oh, and don't forget to leave us a rating and review. Do me a favor. Put your hands metaphorically on someone's back. You don't know who needs it. I'm telling you, somebody does. Change your work, change your wealth, change your life. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow. 